we have been in a series, and I hope that you've been so attentive to our conversation this month. We've been talking about Eden Prairie Assembly of God and the body of Christ, but especially this local church and what God wants us to, who God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. We've declared in this month these messages that as EPAG, we will inspire people to follow Jesus. There's nothing more important in our lives than following Jesus, and there's nothing more significant for eternity than to inspire other people to follow Jesus as well. In week two, we talked about the word explore. It's a pillar that helps guide our decision-making and our strategies. We want to create on-ramps. We want people to feel that it's safe to ask questions and express doubts. We understand not everyone has made a decision to follow Jesus yet. And not everyone comes from a church background. And not everyone is familiar with Scripture. So we understand that questions and doubts can be aspects of exploring faith. And so we want to create safe and judgment-free environments for people to do that. In our third week, we talked about the word follow. That life is built on daily relationship with Jesus. And our goal, our responsibility, we want to help develop lifelong followers of Jesus. We're going to provide opportunities for growth at every stage on the journey. If I can just pause to say, it is my prayer for you. That more than ever in your life, you would be immersed in Jesus. And I don't, I don't mean standing back and waiting for Jesus to take you over. I mean that you will... See who Jesus really is. And that you will have a longing in your heart to know Him in a way that you've never known Him before. And that you would live out the epitome of John chapter 15 when Jesus Himself talked about abiding in the vine. That you would learn more than ever in your life what it means to truly follow Jesus and to be with Him and to learn from Him. In week four, we talked about the word connect, that we are better by doing life together. Last week, we talked about that we're created to live in community, and that we do those things, we connect with others through groups and teams and life events, and how in this day and time, we're told in Scripture that we're not to separate or to divide or to pull away from people, but now is the time for us even more so to be connected with the body of Christ, to motivate and to encourage one another. To somewhat tie a bow on a series that has implications for years to come, I want to talk today about a word that simply means serve. That we make a difference by focusing on others. That we desire to see lives changed by intentionally serving other people. And that we represent Jesus to our world when we offer help and hope to people. I'm going to ask you today, would you stand with me and grab your copy of God's Word and go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, probably a somewhat familiar passage of Scripture to some. Maybe others, this will be one of the first times you've read it. But for John chapter 13 gives us a beautiful picture and a beautiful example of what we should do. Beginning in verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival... Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Notice how Peter changes his mind. Peter said, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Would you help me in these moments, Lord, to break the bread of life and give it, Lord, to your people? Would you help us in these moments to hear what you're saying and to do it? Help us, Lord, to truly serve in a way like Christ to one another, to this world. Recognizing that as we serve and represent you well, we'll have so many opportunities to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Speak to us now. May there be great encouragement as we're gathered together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated today. Other than the cross of Christ... Other than the cross, there is no scene perhaps from Jesus' earthly ministry that speaks more of his servant leadership than this scene in John 13. Scripture tells us it was just before the Passover meal. So what we know in the timeline and order of events is that Jesus was nearing arrest, trial, multiple sufferings, and ultimately crucifixion and death. Jesus knew, Scripture teaches us, that the fulfillment of the plan of God was near. And yet, in the middle of all that Jesus was about to face, it wasn't easy. In fact, he would later say that he was overwhelmed to the point of death. He was grieved so much. And yet, in the middle of all that he was facing, Jesus was considerate of others, not just of himself. The Bible teaches us that Jesus in John 13 and his disciples were together. Jesus deeply loved his disciples, as he had loved everyone who had heard and believed and all who would, in the future, hear and believe the message of truth, which is about to be shown in this moment. He was about to show his love to the disciples, and he was going to show his love for all humanity in the moments to come. Think for a moment and consider who was in that room. Peter, who at times uh, was uncontrolled in verbalizing his thoughts, He was hasty to take action that was sometimes right and sometimes not. And he would soon deny that he even knew Jesus. Jesus knew who Peter was. Consider Judas. Jesus welcomed Judas near into the inner circle. Judas was the one chosen to be the treasurer of the group. 
And Scripture reveals to us that he stole money from the bag. Judas had already agreed to betray Jesus to the religious leaders and sat among the disciples throughout these years of Jesus' ministry as, he, as if he was a student just as the other disciples were. He was so good at his deception that the other disciples were surprised when Judas was guilty of agreeing to betray Jesus. Jesus knew who Judas was. In fact, Jesus knew them all. And Jesus knew who he was. He knew he came from God and was the Son of God. He wasn't a liar or a lunatic. He knew that he came from God and he knew that his time to die was soon to come. And finishing the work, Jesus knew he would return to heaven, sit down at the right hand of the Father, and leave the infant church on earth to carry out his work. So verse 4 tells us he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus moved in this moment with intentional action. The washing of guests' feet was a normal occurrence in this day and time. People didn't wear closed-toed shoes like you and I are probably wearing today. But instead, they wore more things like sandals. And in the lack of paved roads, instead the dirt roads, their feet would get very dusty and nasty. You can imagine. There are people today who wear closed-toed shoes that get dirty enough, let alone on dirt roads, right? The evening meal was in progress. Scripture gives us a clue in John's writing that normally by this time, guests would have had their feet already washed by the lowest of servants who was there to do so. That was their job. And in this moment, the disciples had had plenty of opportunity to do this to Jesus. Plenty of opportunity to wash the teacher's feet. But indication was that this role was below them. Remember, these are some of the same people, his disciples, who had argued about who was the greatest among them. Two of them had gone far enough to ask for the seats of honor to the right and to the left of God and His kingdom. This role was beneath them. So instead, the teacher, the Lord, Jesus, moved from his place at the table, took the towel, wrapped it around his waist, filled the basin with water, and began one by one to wash the disciples' feet. I'm amazed at this picture. That the one who created the disciples' feet held their feet in his hands. That the one who created water used it to wash the dirt off the disciples' feet. And as he's washing dirt off the disciples' feet, I'm reminded of God creating man from the dust of the earth. The Creator King took the towel of a servant, the lowest servant in any home, in any place, and washed the feet of those in that room. It was a moment of humility, of sacrificial love, of service. And it was ultimately a revolutionary lesson. It was upside down, or we might would say right side up, compared to the culture around them, as the master and the teacher became the servant. Now ultimately, in this moment, the conversation between Jesus and Peter had deep spiritual significance. We understand in Scripture, in this passage and others, that unless Jesus washes our sins away, we will not be clean. And we must have the ongoing, continual, transformative work of Jesus 
in our lives. So there was a deep, spiritual, significant conversation in this moment. But this was always, also always a kingdom illustration. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus called the disciples together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. The world may live like this. The world may look for power and prestige, and then once they have it, they may use it in an abusive way towards the people around them, lording it over them and exercising an authority to do what they want, whether it's good for the people or not. Not so with you. You will be different. As my followers, you will be different. You will live differently. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. I think of the Apostle Paul who in his writings oftentimes would start by saying, an apostle of Jesus, a servant or slave of all. If anyone could have boasted, it was Paul who knew God's law like the back of his hand. He'd been in this thing for a long time. And yet he walked in humility, recognizing the only way I would be saved today is because of Jesus getting my attention on a road to Damascus and transforming my life. And he said, because of what Christ has done in me, I am now indebted to him forevermore. And I am a slave and a servant to all that all might know this power of Jesus in their lives. Jesus set an example in John chapter 13, an example of service for his followers. And now scripture tells us that we are to follow in his steps. Jesus taught that serving wasn't just an event, but a lifestyle. Reflect back in the ministry of Jesus on earth and you'll find that Jesus interacted with women who were considered to be less than in society. Jesus interacted with children on multiple occasions when parents would bring the kids to ask Jesus to bless them. The disciples even would rebuke them for bringing the children as if they had inconvenienced and interrupted things that really mattered more to Jesus. And yet he interacted with the children, he welcomed them, he encouraged everyone to do the same, and he blessed them. Jesus interacted with the physically disabled. He interacted with people who society considered had little to nothing to offer. But Jesus loved them, Jesus saw them, Jesus served them. He met the needs of people who were hungry. And thirsty. He even had compassion on people who had been listening to his teaching for days at the time, saying, We can't send them away. We can't send them on the journey back home because they're too tired. If they go from here, they're going to pass out on the way home. They had nothing to offer in return, no money to pay, but Jesus loved and served them. And ultimately, Jesus went to the cross. Showing his love and service without reservation. That even his own life wasn't enough to hang on to. But on the cross, Jesus loved and served every member of humanity. Offering himself to die in our place. To bear our sin. To bear our undeserved wrath of God. To give us an opportunity to live. Jesus didn't just serve in one moment. But he served in all moments. 
Even in moments when it would have been easy to say, you know, the disciples are really tired. We've had crowds around us constantly. And they'd get in the boat to sail to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they'd get there and there would be crowds. And you can imagine the thoughts of the disciples. Oh my gosh, here we go again. Can we just get a minute? Can we just breathe a second? Can we just sit on the couch and veg out for one day, Jesus? You've been there. And yet the Bible says that even in moments where rest would have been understood, He was moved with compassion for people. There was no end, there was no quota, there was no limit, there was no prerequisite, there was no qualification of the people had to meet. Jesus simply saw people and He loved people and He served people and He showed us that even in our lives, serving isn't just an event, serving is a lifestyle. We love and serve others because our servant king first loved and served us. In verse 15, Jesus said it this way, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What's the premise of following Jesus? The premise of following Jesus is if I'm following, he's leading and I am to imitate him. I'm to follow in His steps. I want to be like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus. I want to speak like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. So Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Think about what He's saying. How sinful... It would be for you and I to think that somehow serving someone else is beneath us when the greatest one who has ever been got down to wash feet. No servant is greater than the master, and here's the master washing feet. If Jesus the king served, how dare we would think that any opportunity to serve is somehow beneath us. Serving others is about loving Jesus and loving others, and we can't separate the two. We've said throughout this message series, and even most recently last week, about loving one another that we cannot say, and Scripture teaches us this in John's letter later, we cannot say that we love God and then not love a brother or sister. Serving others is about loving Jesus and loving others. When we love others, we're loving Him. When we love Him, we will love others. We cannot separate the two. So we serve within the body of Christ. We look to meet needs in the body of Christ. We see this played out in the early church in the book of Acts where nothing was so sacred and so attached to people and people attached to things that they wouldn't consider selling it and getting rid of it to take the money to then bless the church so that the church could then meet needs. We serve at EPAG when we're gathered together. We serve others, or at least we should, every day of our lives. It's very simple. I'll summarize it in two words. Everyone, always. Everyone, always. Consider ourselves. We must consider ourselves commissioned, even commanded. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit desires to equip us to minister every day of our lives to the people around us. I understand that Ephesians 4 teaches 
That God gifts, that Jesus gifts His church with certain roles of leadership. Pastors and teachers and prophets, apostles and evangelists. But notice that the purpose of those leaders is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I've said before, we must redefine what ministry means. I understand that there are those who answer a call of vocational ministry. That for their entire life, their their sole purpose is to serve the Lord in whatever context, whatever place, whatever time God says. But we need to redefine ministry that it's not just what happens today on a Sunday or Wednesday. It's not just what happens on a platform or with a microphone or even throughout this campus and serving on different teams through different groups. It's when you show compassion towards others that you're ministering to others in the name of Jesus. It's when you give an ear to listen to someone about what they're dealing with in this life and you're a friend to them that you're ministering to others in the name of Jesus. It's when you show kindness and interest in other people that you're ministering to them and serving in the name of Jesus. It's when you meet tangible needs. It's when you share your testimony. And it's of course when you share the good news of Jesus to anyone that you're with. That's when you're ministering to others in the name of Jesus. We serve others when we give help and hope. The ultimate goal in our lives is to give the hope that's only found in Christ. Our ultimate goal, as we've said from the get-go in this conversation this month, is that we would inspire people to follow Jesus. But we recognize that sometimes that's going to start with action before we ever get to words. That they're going to watch and they're going to listen and they're going to have maybe reservations and be skeptical and the door will be shut. But there's opportunity to provide help so that it leads to the open door of opportunity to share hope. I thought about it as we're preparing for this moment today that, you know, there are a lot of things that God does to us or or for us from the outside. There's a lot of things that God is always orchestrating and putting together. But I find that much of God's work is done in us and through us. Much of, much of the work God desires to do on the face of this planet right now Yes, only God can change the inner man, the the heart of man. But much of the work that will lead to those moments will be done through us. Spreading of the gospel, telling someone about Jesus, speaking to the experience of how God has changed our lives. All of those things are going to be done through us. It's not that God's always going to just strike down from from the heavens. It's not that God's always going to speak in a thunderous voice. But oftentimes, He's going to say, I'm going to do this work and I'm going to empower my church to go forward. My church to march into their world. My church to be the agents of help and hope and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to do His work through the church. I wrote this down this week. I was was listening to a a pastor share that at one point in his life he had had transitioned out of a church church. Felt like the Lord was getting their family ready for something. And they're traveling in all of these other countries around the world. And they come to 
a couple of nations in particular, India, China. He would tell the stories, he would hear about what was happening in their countries and the risks that people were taking just to follow Jesus and what they had given up just to follow Jesus. And they would ask about what took place in in the American church and he would tell them and he said they would just laugh. They would just laugh. And he said, it wasn't because I was telling a joke and it wasn't because I was funny. It was because they were experiencing what it really meant to be the church and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and to see the miraculous and to to really face a a persecution and a battle to be a Christian. And he said, I I felt like I, I didn't need to pray for them. They needed to pray for me. And he said that he began to to think that he and his family were going to be settling in Hong Kong. And they began to look for an apartment there. And he said, the Lord just began to speak to him and said, you know, you just, you kind of quit on the American church. He said that God told him, you, 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 you came short of what, what I want you to do. You let people talk you out of what you believed God wanted to do in the American church. And so you've, you've gone to, to see and do, and you're thinking about going to all these other places, but I still have a work, and you need to come to this place of realizing this is the work I want to do and not let anybody tell you differently. And part of the biggest part of what he was talking about was this understanding of abiding in Christ, this understanding of walking closely with Jesus and how it really matters in our lives and that everything else and all the fruitfulness that we want in our lives is all going to flow from being with Jesus. It's all going to flow from that relationship with Jesus and how that the American church has become in some ways too corporate and too secularized and there's been too many influences that have caused the American church to, to, to become more like a business rather than the church. And as I'm sitting listening to this podcast episode, I, I first thought to myself, somebody has finally put in words how I feel. And I began to take out my pen, and I, I, I just knew that the Holy Spirit was about to say something, and this is what I wrote. I'm not content with the American church or our church EPAG. I can't even speak for every other church, but I'll speak for us. I'm not content with the church acting like a country club who attends their club meetings once or twice a week and pays their dues. We're an army. We're the church. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. We're His representation on this earth. And in the words of that pastor who was talking in this episode that I'm listening to, he said something to this effect, and I put it in my own words. It is my prayer that we wouldn't just act like missionaries while we're on mission trips, but that we would live as missionaries every day of our lives. See, if we never inspire anyone to follow Jesus and we never get to know our neighbors or we never even have a conversation with them and if we never show love and kindness to people through simple acts, if we never do any of that, we've missed it. We've reduced following Jesus to just words of commitment rather than actions of commitment. I believe it's time for the church, our church, EPAG, to rise up. It's time for us to share in the heart of God, that we would believe the promises of God from years and years ago, that we can ask the Holy Spirit to equip and empower us, and when He equips and empowers us, and as He equips and empowers us, we can be mobilized to reach the people in this world. We can reach the unreached, we can also reach the untouched. It's time for us, like Jesus, to put on the towel, to move from the 
table in the feeding and to start washing the dirt on people's feet again. I got to tell you, that's the thing about serving people. It is the dirty work. For you see, this is comfort. This is easy. I mean, we've got it so good that the room is climate controlled. The seats are padded. Even if you think they can't hold long enough for this preacher. The lights are on. The roof is over our head if it decides to rain or snow today. There's coffee and donuts. If <laughs> we'll help you serve Jesus and we'll make you fatter all at the same time, praise God. We're comfortable. This is easy. Just just in a in a small example. Small example. We're not even talking about the people who are giving their lives, but just in a small example. Go visit the church that I've visited before that since has been updated because people decided to give and to help make it possible. But when you visit a church in Nicaragua and half of the church, only half of the church has a tin roof on the top and the sides are wide open and the pastor's living in a house next door and he's so uh, excited to show us where he's living and we're walking through that place and recognizing there's nothing more than tin holding his house together. When we recognize if it rains, half the church is getting wet. You better be there early. When the sun is shining, half the church is going to be scorched. You better get there early if you want the shade. They're doing well just to put a sound system together. And their seats, they aren't four inches of thick padding. They're lawn chairs that may be cracked on the bottom and pinch you every time you sit down. But the joy of the Lord is in their hearts. And the passion for God is in their voices as they rise to sing together. And I would just suggest today that it's time for us to move from the table. We, we have a little bit of a pattern as the American church that we feed a lot, but then we don't do anything with it. We sit at the table and we're fed and we take in. And we're, we're given it almost spoon-fed. But then we're not walking away from the table and going to someone else and saying there's still a seat at the table for you. You need to come and sit and be fed by Jesus. You need to come experience the bread of life. And we won't get out and put the towel because it's hard work and it's dirty work. i got to tell you, serving people's messy. It's when you get to the depths of who people really are. It's when you recognize the hurts and the pains that they've gone through. It's when you recognize that there's something in their hearts that's holding them back. It's when you realize they're addicted and strung out and hung up and hang-ups and everything else you can imagine. It's messy. It's not easy. But we have a choice. We either leave them in the dirt... Or we put the towel around our waist and we start serving and helping them know what it means to be clean in Jesus. That's what serving people is all about. Listen, I, I want to make sure you understand me. I, I think it's great for us to help feed the hungry. I think it's great for us to provide for needs for the poor. All of that is wonderful. And many times I believe that opens the door for conversation to go further. 
But I want to make sure that we help people understand the greatest need is Jesus. The greatest need is Jesus. We're serving because we want people to see Jesus and we want people to know what it's like to know Jesus. We make a difference by focusing on others. We desire to see lives changed by intentionally serving other people. We represent Jesus when we offer help and hope. We said from moment one in this conversation that we will inspire people to follow Jesus. And we do that as we ask God to equip us and as we mobilize from just being a club that comes together once or twice a week. We stoop down, we put on the towel. People have walked through a lot of dirt and we help them and we give them hope in Jesus. I got a text from a friend of mine this morning. We pastored now uh, years back in the same town. We became close friends. He's in a totally different I think it's technically an interdenominational church. I've lost track of denominations these days, but but he was part of a different church and we've stayed connected through the years. He's in a different city now, I am too. And and he sent me a text this morning and, and I don't know where it came from, but he he uh, sent this quote. And it said, you know, uh, in the church world, and, and I know there's probably going to be some debate with what I'm about to say, but just just hear the heart behind it and don't get caught up in the... The, the other conversation that could be. He said, at, at this time of year during Halloween, uh, it, it seems like we get something right at least in that as people come and, and they're messed up and, and they might be ugly <laughs> and they might smell, whatever the case, but, but we willingly smile at them and we offer them candy and we interact with them. And basically the person was suggesting in the quote, it should be like that every day. That we should be interacting and smiling and being with people like that every day. And I don't want to make too much of it or or twist it too big this morning, but something else caught my attention in what he said. Because, you know, with with the the Halloween thing and you, you sit in your home with this bowl of candy that you're eating on while you're waiting on people coming to your door. I like living in an apartment because in our apartments, people just sit a bowl of candy outside the door. You don't even have to knock. You just take the candy. It's like taking candy from a baby. I mean, it's, it's really easy. You, you wait on these people. You get, some of you, maybe you participate in that. I would suggest this actually is an opportunity, but you take you have this big bowl and you wait for them to come and you give candy. And I don't want to just make too much of this but I thought about you know at that time you expect everybody to come to your door I think that's part of the problem with the church we, we still are in the come and see model when we need to be in the go and make disciples model I think we're still in the come and see come and experience don't get me wrong I, I would that you would invite someone to church because I mean at least they can hear the truth while they're here But if you're just depending on the pastor to be the only one to share the gospel, we've missed the whole thing about following Jesus. Shouldn't be just come and see. This is the part where we gather together as the body of Christ, but all throughout every other moment in our lives, we're supposed to be going and doing likewise. So we're supposed to be like Jesus in the streets. We're supposed to go and as we're going to make disciples in every context that we're in. 
Talk about an equipped, mobilized, serving church. That's more than just, we want you to come to us and we're just going to sit back and wait for you to walk through the doors. Nah. We're going to rise up. We're going to follow Jesus. And in part of following Jesus, we're going to serve others around us every day, no matter where we are. And we're going to help them have help and hope. We're going to help them see Jesus. We're going to go and make disciples. We're going to do more than just sit back and wait. So I want us to respond today. And I want to challenge you to take more than one step today. Obviously, we understand that in a local church, you can serve in in giving and you can serve in using your giftings. And there's always an opportunity that you can join a team. There's always an opportunity that you can plug into a group. All of those things are important. I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm just simply saying, what if we went one step further and following Jesus and really inspiring other people to follow Jesus is more about outside the four walls of the church than what it's been. What if we look to meet needs and build relationships and love people outside of just the church time? Every day, you live in a neighborhood. And I pray that God would put on your heart deeper than ever a love and a compassion and a desire to serve and know your neighbors. That you would see them not as an inconvenience, not as a nuisance. That you would see them not as just the people who inhabit part of the space on the same street, but you would see as opportunity. That if there are people near you, it's an opportunity. How can you serve? How can you love? Bill and I were talking about this just the other day, and I've said it to, to... other people before as well, but you'll notice that a lot of homes that are built these days don't have a huge front porch. Uh, and I don't know if it was a big thing in Minnesota because I guess you wouldn't want to be on it when it's a foot of snow outside anyway. But uh, there, there used to be this thing of, of neighbors could see neighbors out on the front porch and neighbors could interact with one another and kids could play together and all those things. And I'm not just here today to say, look at the good old days and how it used to be. That's not what I'm saying. But what if instead of this push to isolate and to privatize our lives, what if we actually go to someone else? What if we actually knock on a door? What if we actually wave and smile? What if we actually talk to them and know their name and get to know them? To take our lives from just being inside the house to being in front of the house and down the street and with someone else. What if we do this with our neighbors? How do you do that? Well, there's opportunity coming up, and I don't mean just for you to wait for a bowl of candy, but take some reverse trick-or-treating. Go knock on somebody else's door. Make some delicious cookies. If you can't cook, buy some delicious cookies. I like the sugar cookies with the icing on top, personally. I feel like your neighbors will too. Knock on the door. Hey, we know you're giving out candy tonight, but we just wanted to bless you. We just wanted to interact with you tonight. We just, hey, we just got a gift for you. You see a need. It's that time of year when all the leaves are falling. Yeah, some of you are dreading it. I can tell. The look on your whole face just changed. 
Help someone with those needs. Someone near you is unable to do some of those things. How can you serve? Someone near you has had a crisis. Someone near you is dealing with something. Maybe, maybe someone near you has had a good moment, a great celebratory moment. Maybe someone next to you has had a, had a struggle. You'll never know some of those things until you get to know people. But what if we actually started paying more attention to the people around us? What if you did it with your coworkers? That, that rather than rather than be frustrated because your personalities don't really align, or rather than just talking about work, what if you what if you really begin to care about who they are? What if you really begin to care about their family? What if those pictures around their cubicle become more than just the pictures you pass by every day and they're just common noise to your life? What if you begin to say, hey, tell me about that child or grandchild? What if you begin to ask, how can I pray for you today? There's so many ways. I don't have time to go through all of them, but there's so many ways that we can serve. But what if serving, what if serving becomes a lifestyle rather than just just a moment. Their events are good. In fact, I'm about to share something with you, an opportunity with you, but what if, what if it becomes a practice, a lifestyle of serving people, of truly loving people, that we could be like Jesus and be attentive to the people around us? So before you go today, I'm going I'm to encourage you to begin to pray a bold prayer. God, give me the courage to step out of any comfort zone I may be living in and start talking to the people around me more. Give me the courage to take a step to serve someone else's need. And I just tell you today, pray the prayer and then take the step. Because as you take the steps, you'll begin to realize how good God is and how much He can work and you'll want to take those steps more and more. Don't just wait till you feel like it. Don't just wait, well, that was a great message, but uh, I'm waiting on God to tell me what to do. He just told you. He just told all of us. He just told all of us. So I want to I give you this opportunity. In addition to talking about your neighbors and your coworkers, I want to talk to you about something that's new for us, but that we're going to be doing. On November the 11th, starting at 8.30 a.m., we're going to meet right here and we're going to pray together as a rallying point and then we're going to send teams out to minister at different places in our community. The first one is the People Reaching Out to People organization that's right here in Eden Prairie. We're going to be serving at Jerry's Foods, a grocery store here locally, and we're going to be serving to help raise the food items for props so that they have the food they need to minister to people in need. That serving opportunity will be from about 9 a.m. to noon. And it's just being there at the store and giving people the encouragement and opportunity that while they're buying their groceries, if they want to buy an item that can be given to prop, they can do that. We're going to be sending people out across the street. And the next week, we're going to be letting our neighbors right here to EPAG know that there are going to be some people coming by that are willing to help with some things at their home. We're especially going to focus on some of those leaves that are falling. So if you have a mighty, high-power leaf blower, this is your call right here. 
We're going to let them know, hey, we're coming. Let us know if you'd like some help. We're going to be coming by. We'll supply. If you've got a rake or leaf blower, that's fine, but we're going to supply some of the other things that are needed. We're going to go across the street and start reaching the people who are right next to us and saying, hey, we love being in this neighborhood, and we want you to know we're here and we're here to serve you. We're going to offer opportunities for maybe people who say, well, I, I don't know if I can do all the physical side of things, We'll offer opportunities for you to to drive or walk and pray in neighborhoods and to do that around our city and to, to be mobilized. Obviously, we just talked about even in our own neighborhoods doing things of this nature. We're going to give an opportunity for some to go and minister at one of the local laundromats and to just offer to pay for a couple of loads of laundry and just serve people there. It's time for us to mobilize. It's time for us to move the padded seats put the towel around our waist and to serve people and to see Jesus lifted up so here's what I want you to do if you would like to be a part of that day in any way and we can certainly help match you with the right opportunity we encourage you to scan this QR code you can do the same at the hub today and you can sign up and say I want to be a part of serving I want to be a part of serve day and then I also want you before you leave this place today to commit to the Lord and say Lord I want to be a part of serving every day this is great we want to do this but we want to be a part Lord of serving people every day in our lives would you stand with me today all across the room Father I pray in this moment that you will help us to take a step towards you That if we're not following you, Jesus, we would come to follow you, make that decision today. If we are following you, that we would desire, God, to follow you more deeply and to know you more deeply than ever before. That, God, we would take a step in following you towards helping others follow you. And towards representing you to this world. That today, there will be people in the sphere room or online, Lord, that you're beginning to to impress upon us, O Lord, in these moments. There are people in our neighborhoods, there are people in our families, our friends, there are co-workers. There are people we're around all the time that, Lord, you can help us to serve, to build relationships with, to love them like you've loved us, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to do more, to do more than just say we're a Jesus follower. But help us, Lord, to live it out. Help us, Lord, to recognize you want to do your work through us. Lord, we pray in advance of this day on November 11th, we trust that there will be great conversations and great opportunities in our interactions with people. But we also pray that even as we go from this moment today, that you, O Lord, would help us to have attention and love towards our neighbors, our co-workers, the people we interact with, moment by moment, day by day. Let us see more and more that you want to do your kingdom work through us. Father, I pray that you bless and keep this people and make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor, ever be turned in their direction and grant them your peace. Go with us and may we go with you. May we go and as we're going, make disciples and do like you, Jesus, and serve others. Because we recognize this is yet another opportunity to inspire people to follow you. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. I pray that we're challenged 
to take action. In Jesus' name.